Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit's Wellness Coaching Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to How May I Serve You, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele. By accident, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guest today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Andrew Gluck. Andrew, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. Uh, excited to connect. And I, I didn't even know about that, that the, the mission. It's, that's incredible. Um, all the work you do on top of everything else and, and, and supporting education, that, that's fantastic. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's something I'm extremely passionate about, man. You know, giving back is something that's close to my heart. So Andrew Gluck is the founder and solo general partner at IRRVRNT. After yes. a decade plus in the digital marketing, including founding and exiting agency within, now within, he transitioned into early stage venture. So Andrew, it's IRRVRNT. B-R-N-T. What's what's the pronunciation of that? So make sure yeah, I Yeah, so it's pronounced reverence. So when Irreverent. I was thinking about uh yeah, when I was thinking about naming a fund, you know, one of the one of the biggest things and most important funds and how they're how they're really measured is, is based on their IRR on their internal rate of return. Yeah. Uh, so I was looking at you know different different words that start with IRR. Um honestly like just like scrolling through the dictionary and Google and yeah. and, and just typing in different things. Um, and, uh, yeah, came across reverence and I was like, oh yeah, it's so me, you know, um, you know, really focused on one of the things that I like as a person and just like in other people, mm -hmm. um, including in founders is people who are, you know, trying to challenge the system, um, uh, you know, especially when there are things that are broken and, and need fixing. And, um, you know, one of the worst reasons to do something in my mind is because that's the way we've always done it. Right. So, um, the iconoclasts and the, the rebels are are the people that are going to kind of lead the way and lead the charge, and so that's where the you know reverent name comes from. Combination of looking for IRR and looking for those those rebels. Awesome. Um, awesome. Okay. Yeah, I always have oh. uh, two two jokes on that. If the fund doesn't do well, we can always you know we can rebrand as irrelevant, and uh, and then hopefully uh, you know maybe fund two, fund three, we can get uh, a a little bit higher AUM and, and go out and buy some vowels. So we'll see what happens. There you go. But listen, you, you made it work. You made it work. So Irreverent is an early stage fund focused on DTC, which is direct to consumer, ad tech, and next gen next gen commerce. They invest 150K to 350,000 into founders with strong founder market fit building in large and growing markets. They are happy to invest early. They were the first check a few times committed before a lead multiple times and about 50% of their checks are in a company's first non-founders. That's pretty awesome right there. First funny rounds, right? So select portfolios companies include Lunchbox, which is a big company, Caraway, Co-op, So Savvy, and more. Those are some huge companies right there, um, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I've just been fortunate to find the right founders, honestly, um, and, and be able to play a small part in, in their success. Um, and yeah, that, that, in my opinion, is really what it comes down to. Um, so I, after, uh, after exiting the agency, um, I spent about two and a half, three years doing early stage investing, uh, really just meeting people from my network, going to events, you know, every time you meet someone, you meet two more people and everything mm -hmm. else. 
And so ended up making 25 angel investments and that portfolio did pretty well and transitioned to, you know, to, to, to more of a fund. And so in the angel portfolio, um, like you mentioned, um, you know, invested in a lot of, um, you know, first time founders, a lot of times their first round of capital, diverse founders, uh, female founders, immigrant founders, uh, LGBTQ founders. And so, you know, great founders can look like anything, come from anywhere, mm -hmm. um, both in terms of background and pedigree, geography. Um, you know, right now I am, you know, exclusively focused kind of on the U.S. I'd say U.S., a little bit Canada, just because in terms of my expertise, that's what's holding me back from investing outside of those places, not because I don't think that there's great founders outside of the U.S. Yes, indeed. So, Andrew, I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. So where, where are you from, man? So I'm from, um, I grew up in Angwin, New Jersey. Angwin, New Jersey is a, uh, a suburb of Manhattan, just about, you know, 10 miles outside of Manhattan. Um, grew up here uh, and then um, went to school in, I like to say I went to school in Boston. So people think I went to Harvard, but I wasn't smart enough <laughs> to get to Harvard. So I went, went to Brandeis, which is actually in Waltham, Massachusetts, outside, outside of Boston. Um, I was there, uh, studied economics, always loved math. Um, and then also love the application of math. Um, and so kind of blended that with psychology. Both my parents were psychologists, always loved human behavior, um, behavioral economics, kind of the blend of that ended up, uh, um, getting into the marketing world. Um, and so, um, worked at a digital, uh, at a B2B company that sold street signs. They're the Amazon of street signs and parking signs and stop signs. They sold it all to small municipalities, to apartment building owners some novelty, but mostly, you know, uh, B2B, um, and then kind of learn, learn digital marketing, um, grew in that space over a few years, over a few roles. And then in 2014, co-founded agency within, uh, grew that to be the largest independent digital marketing agency in the U S um, mm -hmm. work, had the opportunity to work with a lot of, uh, enterprise brands so brands that you probably recognize brands like Intuit, Shake Shack, Spanx, Etsy, um, agency record for performance marketing for Nike.com North America. Um, I had a, uh, and then we also worked with a lot of VC back brands. So brands that you may or may not have heard of, um, some have gone on to, to, to wild success brands like Rothy's who just sold, uh, I don't know whether it's 49 or 50% of their company and valued a billion dollars. Um, Goop with Paltrow, Paltrow startup, um, trade coffee, Petflow, Bandier, Zola, Helix, um, trade coffee, Petflow. So a bunch, bunch of others. Um, and then. In 2018, I had a successful exit from the agency, so I had, had the chance to um, go and try to figure out what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. Realized that I got a lot of energy, excitement, passion from working with those early stage companies, um, working with those founding teams, founders, um, was just incredible. Um, they're some of the most ambitious um, people that I know, hardest working, um, you know, resonated with, uh, with me in terms of, you know, kind of the startup uh, mentality of, of, you know, there are no rules except just, you know, kind of grow, grind, um, grind. <laughs> um and, and, and figure out ways to grow. Um, and yeah. And so ended up, like I mentioned, you know, investing in some of these companies and event, eventually transitioned from angel investing to, to raising funds. Today's episode is sponsored by get up and get fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones, all things that wreak havoc on your body. This 
is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T dot com. And schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Got you. So, Andrew, um, I want to dive back a, a, a tad bit more because you mentioned both of your both of your parents are psychologists, right? So, yeah. How was it growing up in a household with both your mother and your father were both psychologists? Like, I know it was probably hard to to get away with get away with anything. <laughs> so, talk to me about that, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, it's it's funny. Um, yeah, I am probably you know. I'd say I'm on the more sensitive, um, you know, spectrum of things, um, you know, as, as a person, I actually, it's, it's funny because I, I don't, I think I have a decent EQ, you know, emotional quotient, but, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, compared to people like my wife who, you know, is way, you know, way more in tune with reading people and reading their emotions and things like mm -hmm. that. It just, it's just interesting to me. Um, yeah, growing up with psychologist parents was great. I mean, you know, um, you know, my parents were around, they were active. Um, they, you know, definitely um, had a lot of questions about how I was feeling and how I was doing, uh, you know, um, but, but thank God for, uh, you know, thank, th thankfully for uh, supportive parents are always a good thing to have. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, I know you mentioned before that, you know, you are the co-founder of the largest independent digital marketing agency in the United States, right? Um, agency within. So where you manage close to $1 billion worth of, of ad spend. Um, and you work with companies like Nike, Billy, Zola, and et cetera. So it seemed like you were doing extremely well in that space. So what made you decide to go into the venture cap world, man? Yeah, um, you know, it was, just, it was just time for kind of a change. Um, Work-life balance, a few other things. Um, just made made sense kind of um you know to, to to move on from 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 that um had a chance to exit and 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 worked out um and then um i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do next um okay. transparently um i spent you know i, I spent probably uh, you know a few months kind of just figuring out uh what i wanted to do and then so sold in like summer 2018 took a few months off um, hang out with my kids, played a lot of tennis, a lot of golf, um, and then, you know, realized I get a lot of, you know, my identity for, for better or worse from, from what I do. Uh, and, and, you know, when I was thinking about kind of the places, um, again, just reflecting back on what I loved about um, agency within and the parts that I didn't like um, and, and, and working there and running, running the company, um, realized, you know, I, I again just had tremendous passion excitement for some of these early stage startups and um you know wanted to get more involved um in that space and so in october 2018 just started to meet a lot of people um lean on the you know the network the founders that i'd worked with uh before mm -hmm. just 
ask for introductions to other investors, other founders that they know, um, and um, kind of just went from there. Um, used, you know, read a lot uh, of books on the industry, uh, signed up for all the newsletters. So <laughs> going to the, the city wow. every single day and, and on the subway and was reading, you know, 15, 20 different newsletters on all the different fundings, all, all the different things that were going on in the industry, all, all the kind of the rags. Um, and just really immerse myself in that world. And, and um, so that was October. And then in the beginning of 2019, started to get comfortable enough to make some investments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of how I stumbled upon you right through um, Bonnie, right? Bonnie's, Bonnie's newsletter, a friend of mine. She's, she's amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I reached out to you, my team reached out to you and, and, and here we are right now. So I read that you are especially, you especially love partnering with first time um, funders, right? Founders, I should say. So I know a lot of founders tend to make a lot of mistakes. And you mentioned that you would like for them to learn through your mistakes, right? So what would you say in terms of mistakes, what are the most common mistakes that you find that most founders tend to make? Yeah, I, uh, that's a good question. Um, every, every founders kind of, you know, make their own mistakes in their own ways, every, every, every company. Uh, and you know, it's part of the process and learning process. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, the best, the hardest thing to do, um, is hiring, um, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Right, like all along, first you're first you're trying to find a product market fit, right? And you're stumbling, maybe not stumbling, but you know you're you're grappling with you know and iterating quickly and learning. So in that phase, I think it's you know really about how do you find product market fit, and there's not really a science for that. I mean, there's there's obviously um, you know things you can take a look at and. and uh, I'm even a small investor through syndicate in a company called Viable Fit um, that tries to help people with or companies kind of angle towards, you know, what is product market fit and how do I find it? Mm -hmm. um, right. And there you're iterating usually a small team. You kind of gather, you know, friends, colleagues and kind of trying, trying to build, you know, build something in the space. And then and then that's that's one challenge. Right. Um, I think they're the thing that I see the best founders do. Uh, more than, you know, uh, the average or good or your even founders or, you know, not great founders is, is iterate quickly um, and ship quickly. So the best founder ship, okay. uh, the best company ship, whether it's code, whether it's new product, whether it's whatever it is, because that's what it's all about. That's what you have the, the incumbent stone is, you know, they're these big giant ships. So when they make turns, mm -hmm. it makes huge waves, but it's really hard to turn a, you know, to, to turn a cruise, you know, a, a, a cruise ship, right? Um, a lot easier to turn a, a small speedboat. You could be nimble and you could be quick. Um, and so trying to iterate, you know, quickly is wildly important. Um, so iterate, and then iterate, iterate, iteration. Iteration, exactly. And then as you scale and, you know, post product market fit or as you're starting to find that product market fit again, the scaling phase, tiring. A lot of people um, don't realize how critical hiring is, right? At yeah. a certain point, a founder's main job is actually recruiting and hiring. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the things that I look for really early on uh, when I'm evaluating founders is, um, you know, can they sell? There, there's kind of three three areas that founders have to sell to, they have to sell to clients or companies or customers. 
um, mm -hmm. that sell to investors, right? Because they're always going to be selling, you know, and then more and more, you know, equity in the company for, for cash. And then they have to sell to uh, employees. I, I can sell them other vision, sell potential employees on why does it make sense for you to come and leave your, you know, your cushy job at Google and, and come, you know, work for us and take a 60% pay cut for, you know, and, you know, get rid of all those, all those wonderful perks that, uh, that Google and, and, and the thing type jobs have and, and come, come work here. Um, and so I think that's, uh, really critical is that founders spend a lot of time understanding and honing in on that message of mm -hmm. why are we, you know, why should someone come and work for us and, and being able to spend a lot of time on recruiting and focus there. Got you. Got you. So, um, you mentioned, um, something along the line, oh, along the line of equity, right? So even though I invest once in a while, I'm actually a big advocate when it comes to bootstrapping um, because I'm a bit stubborn, right? I'm, and I don't want to relinquish any equity in my, in, my, in my business. Have you dealt with other startup founders with the same um, similar concerns where they want to work with uh, an investor, but they find it hard to relinquish equity? Yeah, I think it just depends, right? There's no right or wrong path, right? There's just mm -hmm. different options. Um, and there are companies that um, where it makes sense. Hey, like if you, you know, this is a really, if it's a capital intensive business and it's not going to be generating cash, you know, and, and, and positive EBIT for a while, how else are you going to fund it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if it's, hey, this is a company that can kind of continue to grow and, and grow, whether it's really strong 20 30 percent a year or grow more slowly at five ten percent a year those are all good things and we're just going to keep reinvesting the cash into the company and into the business and you know we'll pick up our heads in five years from now it'll be a really big business and really successful or you know hey we're just going to keep reinvesting the cash or and it'll be you know it'll grow and it'll be a great business for us and and you gotta just figure out what the path is because once you step on that bc treadmill it's really hard to step off um, is right at each phase and each step you're, what you're doing is it's not just that you're selling equity and, and diluting yourself and, and giving up control every single time. What, what investors are really buying is a call option on the companies. Mm -hmm. And I think this company can be worth, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, at the early stages, 50 to hundred X medium stages, 20 X, 10 X later stages, three to five X. So you're making a deal with those founder, with those investors that you are going to go and try to go after that, that goal uh, and that growth target. And, um, you know, listen, investors are diversified. Um, they have a fund, they're investing in 20 to 30 companies. They obviously want to see you be successful, but listen. at the same time, a, you know, if, if you're, if you raise equity, uh, sorry, if you raise um, capital at the early stages and you get the three to five exit, you know, the investors or you have an opportunity to exit for three to five X investors are going to be happy and excited for you, but they're also at the same time going to be like, well, let's really push for a 20 to 30 X outcome and let's mm -hmm. raise the next round of capital and keep pushing because the three to five X outcome doesn't again, really move the benefit as much. Yeah. 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 It makes sense, man. So what does your typical week look like as a, as an investor makes, I know you're a busy guy, right? So yeah, walk us through your typical work week, Andrew. Sure. Um, so I really try to keep, you know, one of, one of my big things is really trying to keep um, Mondays relatively open. 
um, just because um, I have I have uh, a few things that I just like to do on Mondays to get into the work week and kind of ease in. So I have a few calls on Mondays, just regular scheduled calls with, with some LPs, some of my anchor LPs. Um, and so those are usually on Mondays. And then Monday afternoons, usually founder calls. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mostly calls most of the day. Um, portfolio founders, perspective, you know, um, inbound uh, calls, perspective LPs, perspective founders um, that are looking for funding. And so that's, you know, most of the time on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and then, you know, Friday, um, you know, it's usually a little bit slower um, and a little bit more, you know, reserved for, again, like following up on things, closing out the week. Um, so I'd say there's not really a typical week, but I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. most weeks I probably spend and do, you know, somewhere around um, – somewhere between five and 10 founder calls, potential, you know, potential investments. Um, and then, um, you know, an emphasis for me this year is to do a better job on networking, uh, whether it's with uh, other investors who are at my stage and sharing deal flow, investors mm-hmm. who are a stage or two later, understanding what they're seeing in the, in the market and the landscape. Um, so I'm doing more and more of those regular scheduled calls just to, to kind of catch up. Um, share insights and deal flow. Um, and then also just, I've started to, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of built some OKRs for myself. And one of them is just meet one other, you know, have a call with one other person who's not an investor or founder, just someone who's kind of in and around the ecosystem, um, where there's not necessarily something pertinent, but just, you know, kind of connect with them. Um, so I'm trying to do that at least once a week. A lot of that I'm doing just kind of cold inbound on LinkedIn, you know, and, and again, like, these are just like, for lack of a better word, interesting people um, yeah. that I'm just trying to connect with. Um, and sometimes it's a great conversation and there's a lot of overlap and there's potential to, you know, do things together down the line. Who knows what that means? Yeah. Sometimes it's, hey, like, there's not so much overlap. You're, you know, and and that's okay too. Um, but it's just always good to kind of expand network, meet people and, um, you know, kind of see what's going on. So networking is, is the key word here, man. Networking, moving around, being active. Yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, the good and bad, the good and bad of the Zoom world is like it's it's easy to, you know, to to, to schedule and meet people from, from anywhere. The bad is obviously it's much harder to to build and develop a relationship over over video than it is uh, you know, in person. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I know you'd rather be on the, the golf field hit, hitting some holes instead, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, I play a lot of tennis. I have a kind of a, a standing rule with uh, some some friends and uh, and uh, fellow investors and things like that and founders. You come out to Englewood, I'll I'll uh, I, I I pay for the tennis court time. I come out to you, you pay for the tennis court time. But I'm always down, works. down to play down to play some tennis too. Okay, okay, okay. That sounds good right there, man. All right, so um, now let's talk about you know because I know you work hard. Um, so what time do you have to invest in your well-being, man? You know, I know you like to play tennis. That keeps you active. It's great. It's getting a bit colder now, especially um, New York, New Jersey weather. Um, when do you typically spend on investing in your wellness? Yeah, um, I also have uh four kids. Um, so I have you a have lot four of- kids. Yeah, a lot, a lot of time that I need to spend with with family. Thankfully, um, make okay. sure that they are, you know, 
that I am helping out and that they're getting, you know, getting time also with them is, is, is quality time with them is really important. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm Sabbath observant, so I observe Jewish Sabbath from sundown on Friday night to sundown mm-hmm. Saturday night, which is just, you know, honestly a really great time to unplug. Um, my wife and I on Friday nights uh, eat dinner together. Uh, we eat dinner together most nights, um, but Friday night we eat dinner together and like just hang out at the dining table, talk, you know, about the week and everything else going on in our lives. And that's usually like a two, three hour dinner that we just have, just talking, hanging out, which is which is kind of nice. Um, and then, you know, like like you mentioned, I usually play tennis twice a week, usually at nights. Um, uh, where when the kids are sleeping, which is a little bit easier. Um, I try to, you know, I try to block off that 5.30 to 6.30, 7 o'clock time so that I can hang out with the kids. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm the one to give them a bath during the week and in the weekends and put them to bed. And so, um, yeah. And then also, like, I uh, I kind of have, like, a open door-ish policy with my kids. So, like, um, they come into my office, I have a whiteboard that they can just color on, they play okay. tiles in here. So, yeah, so as long as they're quiet-ish or quiet enough, um, they just, you know, come in and hang out, um, which is nice. Um, although, obviously, sometimes, you know, when they start fighting and whatever, and then I got to kick them out. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think the one area that I need to do a better job on is, is probably sleep. Um, because... I usually come back and work again once the kids are sleeping after I eat dinner with my wife. Um, and it takes me time to wind down. So even if I work till 10, 11 o'clock at night or even 12 o'clock at night and wake up at eight and, you know, in theory I have potential for eight hours of sleep, it's hard to shut off the brain and just go right to bed. So usually I'm just going on Twitter or watching some TV. And uh, that's, that's really the area that I'm, you know, trying to figure out a better routine on for myself. Got you, got you. So, so what's a typical wind down show? <laughs> Do you have a specific show you watch, or you just hope, hopefully you're not watching the news before going to sleep? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I've been obviously watching lately. Uh, you know, sports, football, college football. Okay. Um, pretty insane in the past, you know, week and a half or so, and been 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 fun. Um, yeah, and then um, recently I was watching Mayor of King, Kingstown. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Jeremy Renner, um, and yeah, um, you know I like suspense, action, that type of TV, um, which again isn't necessarily the most wind down, but you know at least feel like I get to turn off my brain a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of the goal with uh, with a lot of that um, is you know how do I just like sit and yeah, sit and just like chill out for a bit. Got chill you. Out for a bit before I went to bed. Got you. Got you. So. What advice would you give to other executives about staying on top of the game? Because I know, you know, you have four kids, right? You are you are running a company. You you are constantly networking. Well, what other, what advice can you give to um, other executives that are trying to find this balance between family, work, and etc.? Yeah, I think like one of the things that I I realized early on, um, you know, even at the agency is, I'd say two things. One is like you're never no, no, no. Oftentimes you're going to feel like you're failing at like one part, right? There's going to mm-hmm. be very few days where you feel like, oh, wow, I crushed it at work today, crushed it at home, right? And that's okay, right? In my mind, like there are some days where I'm not, I'm, I, you know, 
I don't put the I don't have time to put the kids to bed, and I don't get the same chance to spend time with them. But when you take kind of that step back and you look at for sure, I try to do this at least at least weekly, um, not more often. But you know, oh, okay, like how did I spend my time? Was I happy with that? Right? And so mm-hmm. some days it's you know sometimes I'll have a call canceled or rescheduled and I'm an hour and I'll just be like, all right, cool. I have a hundred emails in my inbox. My kids are outside flying. They just got home from school. Like I'll just go chill with them for an hour. Right. And so figuring out that, that right balance is, is critical, but also just giving yourself a little reprieve and, and, and making sure that like, again, some days you're going to feel great on one side and the other, but it's the balance might not be daily. It might be weekly. So um, that's for, for Okay. Um, and then I think the other one is just like your calendar rules your life, at least for me. Um, you know, and so again, um, even tennis, right? Uh, and, and working out, uh, schedule it, lock it off, and it's holy, right? And family time and quality time, whatever it is, it's 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 sacred. Sorry, I can't do a call that, you know, mm-hmm. that time's booked, right? And like, sure, are there emergency sometimes where you have to you know that time that you scheduled with you know to go exercise or or spend by time with your family like is that going to get interrupted sometimes for sure but trying to really you know keep keep that separation and then also when you're with your family like turn off your phone or leave your phone in the you know in my i try to leave my phone in my office when i go out there you know, or just leave it in my pocket and not look at it just because like, it's so easy to become distracted. Yeah, and like, oh, let me answer this one email, oh, this one email. And like, you look up and it's 15 minutes later and like, now you gotta go back to work. And like, you did, you, the whole point was to, you know, go spend time with the family and, and uh, you weren't really able to, comp- to accomplish that, so. Yes, indeed. So right now I'm hearing, be intentional and be present. Those are two yeah, things. Right. Yes, indeed. All right, so are you currently working on any new projects um, that you can share with us right now? Um, um, I have an idea for an NFT project that I'm... Uh, base, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not really sure where uh, where it is right now, or I should say, I know where it is right now. It's nowhere. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm excited about it and that I like the idea. I'm probably not the right person to execute against it um so i'm trying to find the right people um and it's you know the there's kind of two goals here one is it's a social justice project so that's the number one two three goal the number four and five goal is just for me to learn a little bit more about the ecosystem and space um i'm not currently investing in web3 or nfts out of the fund i do a little bit of it personally again just to learn Mm. um at this point but you know obviously with what's happening there there's there's a ton going on um, the space, I think a lot of it, just like a lot of this startup world, will go to zero. Um, but there are elements of it that are are pretty impactful, things like smart contracts, um, things like uh, provenance and ledgers and, and, and other elements of, of crypto and Web3 that will, will live beyond kind of just the, you know, the Web3 1.0. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I hear you on that, man, definitely. So if someone were to inquire about your services or just wants to connect with you where can they find you andrew sure yeah um so yeah if you want to if you want to be in touch if you're a founder just go to irreverent.com um there's a pitch section um feel free to fill that out i get back to every single cold inbound um within i try within you know two three days and i'm pretty good about that i'd say get back to 80 percent within 
four or five days, 100% within like seven to 10 days, um, if not sooner. Um, and um, yeah, if you just want to kind of follow along, learn more about me, feel free to follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty active there at Irreverent BC. Um, and if you just, you know, want to chat and find time to, to connect, feel free to email me and, and, you know, let me know what's going on. Andrew at irreverent.io or irreverent.com. Um, and always, you know, like I said, happy to network, meet folks uh, in and around the ecosystem and learn from, from people. Yes, indeed. Cool, cool. So, Andrew, thank you for coming on today's episode of How May I Serve You, man. And last but not least, how may I serve you, man? Well, this was great. I appreciate it. I think this was an awesome, a really awesome conversation with, uh, you know, really due to the questions you asked and, and, and drove here. And that's a kind of the the same the same thing that I tell most folks is if there are early stage founders, you know, that you are talking to, um, you know, thinking about raising, currently raising, um, even, you know, just, just starting, you know, always happy to chat with the people and and see if there's an overlap and fit ways that I can help them potentially obviously invest um, and and connect with them. Got it. Awesome. You know what? I normally get at least three to four pitch decks a week. <laughs> so I'll make sure I'll pass me away if there's an overlap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate it. Got you. It. So um, thanks, everyone, for coming on today and listening to today's episode. Make sure to tune in for next week's episode and make sure to take care of yourself. Be safe. Much love. We're out.